Our scripture this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, the ninth chapter, Luke chapter 9, reading verses 1 to 6. Uh, and I think we set a precedent in 830 that if we see your phones out during the sermon, we're going to put you down for 72 pairs of flip-flops, right? <laughs> just, just saying. Uh, if, if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Luke chapter 9, or as always, it's printed on the cover of your bulletin. As you're able, if you would, please stand in honor of the reading of the gospel. Then Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. Not even an extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. Wherever they do not welcome you, as you are leaving that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They departed and went through the villages, bringing the good news and curing diseases everywhere. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And let us pray. Now, dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. If you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, you know we've been talking about our mission statement as a congregation, about who God has called us to be at this time, sitting right on the square in the heart of Fayetteville. Our mission, as we have been talking and praying for the last year, has come down to connecting with God's kingdom now. Connecting with God's kingdom now. Two weeks ago, we talked about connecting with God's kingdom. And then last week, we started to talk about how we do that. We do that now, which is an acronym for Nurture Outreach and worship. Last week we talked about nurture. I mentioned on the cover of your bulletin uh, there's a circular logo, three different colors. You can see them sp scattered across the bulletin. Uh, the word nurture is in green. The word outreach is in orange. So when you see the orange, think outreach. Just like when you see the green, you think nurture. This morning we want to talk about our call to connect people with God's kingdom through outreach. Outreach was a priority in the heart of Jesus. I think you can see that clearly not only in our scripture this morning, but all through the New Testament. Think about Jesus called the disciples in chapter 6 of Luke's gospel. If you go back to chapter 6, that's the first time when he calls the 12 out. It says this, During those days... He went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God, and when he came, he called his disciples and chose 12 of them, whom he also called apostles. So after a night on a mountain in prayer, Jesus calls out 12 in chapter 6. And then you see very little of them, or hear very little of them, for the next three chapters. The rest of chapter 6 and through 7, 8... Uh, what you see is the ministry of Jesus. 
You see Jesus teaching, performing miracles, sharing parables, calming a storm, even raising a little girl from the dead. You hardly hear anything from the disciples at all until you get here to chapter 9 when Jesus says, okay, it's your turn. I've given you authority. I've given you power. Go out and proclaim the kingdom of God. Can you imagine how overwhelming it would be if you're one of the 12? And suddenly Jesus says, okay, you've seen me do this. Now go. It's your turn. Go and proclaim the kingdom. Can't you imagine going, already? You want us to go already? Don't we need to go to a special class or something? I mean, we haven't been certified in proclamation yet. Are you sure you want us to go now? Don't you want us to stay with you? Wouldn't it be good, Jesus, if we just spent all our time with you? We're happy to do that. But Jesus sent them out. It's time to leave the nest. Go. They had, after all, been in the best class available. They'd had front row seats at the ministry of Jesus. He had given them the power, given them the authority, and said, go. Proclaim the kingdom. We are called to reach out. And it didn't stop there. In the very next chapter, Jesus sends out not 12, but 70, with a very similar uh, command. This is Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs, of, in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Go on your way. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace. If anyone is there and shares in your peace, it will rest on that place. But if not, it will return to you. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. He sends out 12 in chapter 9, 70 in chapter 10. After the resurrection in Matthew in chapter 28, he says to all his followers, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In the first chapter of Acts, right before he ascends into heaven, he sends out all his followers again and says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. For them, Jerusalem was like their hometown. Judea was the surrounding area. Samaria was more enemy territory. And he sends them to the ends of the earth. All through his ministry, Jesus is sending his followers out. We are called to go and proclaim the kingdom. If we truly are to be the church Christ has called us to be, we're called to go out and proclaim the kingdom. I ran across an interesting quote about the middle of this past week. Tom Rainier is, a, is an author and church consultant that I've been reading on and off for a long time. Had a chance to talk to him a few years ago. I've written a lot to help the church. He has a new article called The Most Common Factor in Declining Churches. The Most Common Factor in Declining Churches. I'll read to you a quote from the article. He says, I am honored and humbled 
to be in a place where I get to hear from and study about thousands of churches. The leaders and congregants in those churches provide me with incredible information and data. I am grateful because I'm not smart enough to understand these issues on my own. As God has allowed me to study congregations for more than 25 years, I began to see a common pattern in churches that have become outwardly focused. Conversely, though, I also can see a simple but profound pattern among the declining churches. Simply stated, the most common factor in declining churches is an inward focus. The most common factor in declining churches is an inward focus. It makes sense. Jesus sends us out. Churches that are faithful to that, he says, are growing. Churches that are not faithful to that are declining. There's times for inward. We talked last week about nurture. We are called to look and nurture one another. But we cannot neglect reaching out. Jesus said, go. Go local. Go to the ends of the earth. Go into all the world. We have opportunities to do all of that. I want us to talk just a minute this morning about opportunities and methods in terms of outreach. Uh, We have the opportunities to be involved in missions around the world. We do that through our offerings. We support couples in mission around the world uh, as a congregation. As the United Methodist Church, we support missionaries in countries around the world. So every time you put a check in the offering plate, you're involved in a way in foreign mission. But also, if you want to go and be hands-on, you have opportunities to do that as well. Some of you know I enjoy mission trips. One of those things I have always enjoyed doing. Been fortunate to have the opportunity to go on several over the course of several years to many different countries. Uh, This year I've been to El Salvador and been to Belize. Uh, If you feel called to do that and have a chance to do it, go. Uh, My favorite mission trip I think I've ever done was in the summer of 2010. We were in Guatemala. And one of the reasons it was my favorite is because our whole family went. That was that year, our family vacation. Susan and I took our three kids, at the time they were 17, 15, and 11, into this remote village in Guatemala on a mission trip. Their grandparents, let me tell you, were so excited that I was taking their grandchildren uh, to a third world country in the middle of nowhere. But we did. And even on that trip was our future son-in-law. We didn't know at the time he was our future son-in-law. They had never even been on a date. It would be a month later. He would ask out our daughter, uh, and then years later, before they'd get married. But he was on that trip. But for us, that was a family experience. The Hamilton family did that last month. They all went to Belize. Uh, It's a great opportunity. So that was a marvelous trip for us. But also just to be reminded of how God works in situations like that. We went down to do several things. Uh, Water was not on our list. All we knew about water is they said, don't drink the local water. It will make you sick. Drink bottled water. So we did. All the locals were drinking water, of course. And we said, do they have immunities to it? Or does it make them sick? And we were told, oh, the water's contaminated. It makes them sick. But they have no other option. Well, we were concerned. So we asked our host, is there nothing that can be done? He said, well, yes. There are water filtration systems 
that could take the contaminants out, but they're expensive. So we asked, how much do they cost? And they told us. We went home, raised the money, bought the system, sent a team back to install them, and that village where we had been for the first time in their lives, every home in that village had clean drinking water. Think of the difference it makes when you've never been healthy because of the water you drink to have clean drinking water. We hadn't planned to do that at all. But God had a much bigger vision than we did and opened that door. So it's amazing to see God at work. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody can travel. Not everybody can do a foreign trip. But if you can, go. If you can't, there are other ways that we can support worldwide missions. If you go on our website, on our local church's website, and click on missions, there's a place for global missions, local missions, and events right here in our congregation. Uh, there are all kinds of ways you can get involved. If you can't go locally, uh, there are so many opportunities right here. Uh, as sometimes when people talk about getting involved, people go, well, I can't because. I can't travel. Uh, my health is not good. I can't stand too long. I can't do this. I can't pick up much. But there are things anybody and everybody can do. Uh, come and watch the summer lunch program at work. You see people of all ages and abilities involved. Come next week to Stop Hunger Now. Carolyn said a minute ago, we've had people as young as four and five, and people 65, 75, 85, and older. Everybody can be involved. There's no reason not to come and be involved. It's one of the things I really appreciate about our great day of service. Anybody can find a place where you can plug in and serve. There's just no reason why everybody in our congregation can't find a time during the year, hands-on, to be involved in outreach in our community. One of the marvelous things our church does is give you those opportunities. So I hope you will come and take advantage of that. We are called to do that. So we have plenty of opportunities, but how do we do it? There are sometimes we have very clear instruction. Stop Hunger Now is a great example. They'll tell you what to do. This is what you do. And you know you're involved in feeding hungry people. Stop Hunger Now is such a great organization. There's not a supply problem in the world. There's enough food to feed everybody in the world. The problem is in distribution. Stop Hunger Now tackles that and gets the food where it needs to go. But there are also times when you're meeting people. We need to think about method. I think every outreach mission we are involved with involves relationships. We're called to be in relationship with the people around us, certainly with one another, but with people beyond the walls. If we're not willing to invest in people and invest in relationships, we're not going to get very far. I read a great story, well, I read a good story, uh, kind of bittersweet, about a lady who was a brand new Christian, but she had about written off the church, decided she really did not want any part of the church. She said, I've met enough Christians to decide if I either wanted another person in the pew, another name on the church roll, or another check in the plate. And she said, I decided that was all they cared about. And if I told them no, I was not coming, then they drove on, left me, and moved on to their next target. They didn't really see me as a person. They just saw some, me as somebody they were trying to get. And she said, but that finally changed at my gym, of all places. I met this young woman at my gym. We worked out at the same time every day, 
we got to be friends, and I found out she was a Christian active in her local church. And I thought, here we go again. She's going to start hitting, hitting me to come to church or to do all these things. And if I, when I say no, then I'm no longer her friend. And she said, but it didn't work that way. She said she was clear about what she believed, and she frequently invited me to her church. But she always said, I'd love for you to come, but if you say no, it's okay. And she said, and I said no a lot. And uh, she never treated me any different. I finally believed she cared about me for me. So finally, after months and months of saying no, I finally said yes. And I went to church with her, and I found out she did indeed care about me, as did those people there. And so finally, those relationships finally bore fruit, and one day she came to an altar and gave her life to Christ because people cared about her. We're called to be in a relationship with people. Not simply just go somewhere and do four, but to go and get to know them. Be in a relationship with them. Read the Gospels. Jesus invested himself with all kinds of time just in simply getting to know people for who they were, where they were, and what they were. It starts with a relationship. But also that relationship has to be backed by a servant spirit, by a willingness to put other needs in front of our own, to go the second mile and sometimes the third and the fourth. After establishing trust in that relationship, to be willing to do for people whatever they need. We believe right now that's going on in Belize, where we were last month. Uh, we, one of the things we did was a Bible school every day. Uh, and one of the kids who came to the Bible school was a young fellow named Carlos. Carlos had not come, been at that church before, but he came for Bible school. Just this precious little kid it was there every day. Our last night there, his house burned to the ground. We were just all in shock, and we watched it happen. We watched that house go up in flames. Uh, it was tragic, and it was heartbreaking to leave, knowing that we had to leave when all this was going on. But our hope came from this church, because not only did we have an opportunity to get to know this kid, but that local congregation had that opportunity. And have an opportunity going forward, having established that relationship to reach out to this family, to try to provide their needs, and there's going to be a lot. There's a lot of rebuilding of everything going on. But our prayer, and we talked about this while we're there and since we've been home, our prayer is that if we were to go back a year from now, you will see people that have come to Christ in that community because a local church established a relationship with a little boy and with the hands and feet of Christ. And as people see that happen, they will be drawn to that. God can bring good from this. God didn't cause the fire, but God can redeem it. Bring hope from those ashes. And bring people to Christ because of the work that that church is doing with a servant spirit in the relationship that they've established with this family. We're called to get to know people, who they are, where they are, what they are, but to be willing to put their needs above our own. And to tell people why. Sometimes that's a piece of the puzzle we miss. To simply tell people why. How you communicate that might vary depending on uh, how comfortable you are uh, talking, your relationship with the person. But find a way to say, when people say, this is nice of you, but why do you do this? You can say, 
well, my church does a lot of this kind of stuff. What, you ought to come with me sometime? You can say, God has been generous to me and I want to give back. You can say, Christ burns in my heart and I can't help it. Whatever is most comfortable for you, but be ready when you have that opportunity. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, Always, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Build relationships. Put others' needs above our own. And be ready to tell them why. Now you may at this point be saying, but are we talking about missions? Or are we talking about evangelism? And the answer is, yes we are. Yes we are. They go hand in hand. Jesus said, go. Proclaim the kingdom. We're called to be the hands, the feet, and the voice of Christ in our community. Last week, as we talked about nurture, I asked you to picture a three-legged stool. I said, think of nurture as one leg of that stool. Without it, our faith doesn't stand. That's equally true of outreach. One of three primary ways that we are connecting with God's kingdom. As individuals and as a congregation. Otherwise, we really don't look like a follower of Jesus, and we really don't look like a church. Because Jesus said, go and proclaim the kingdom. Are we ready to go? Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your call in our life. Give us the courage. Give us the desire. Give us the gifts that we need to go in outreach as we connect people with your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.